0: What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to a podcast about New York sports. Sam here, joined with Matt, fresh off a Sam Solo post-Juan Soto trade reaction episode. Pleasure to have you back, Matt. Uh, you know, a lot of stuff on the on the agenda today. Jets and Giants, both back in action. Uh, a, a huge slate of basketball. Definitely maybe want to mention some of the in-season tournament that's going on. Again, want to get some of your reaction on Juan Soto, the future of Otani, and of course, we have our picks to make and going around the league. So,
1: uh, Matt, how are we doing today? I'm doing all right. Um, I got to I got to tune into maybe half of the Sam Solo on Juan Soto there, and I wanted to ask you one thing: Why is it that every time you go solo when you do any promo for the episode, you'll say, you know, th- these are my unsolicited thoughts? Are you suggesting that? i solicit your thoughts on the regular program uh
0: no but i just think i think both of our thoughts are always unsolicited
1: all right is that fair (laughs) yeah i guess so uh uh, yeah i mean i I don't i I, I almost wish i was a yankee fan because i mean this is just kind of you know it's one of those couple times in a lifetime sort of transactions that happen for a team uh that you love and it was the move to make kind of like we talked about the other day when You know, we talked about Stanton like that year. That was just the move to make. I mean, Juan Soto solved the biggest issue you've had last season, maybe even the year before. And he immediately walks in and and is, you know, a top five player in the league. And yeah, I mean, it's it's an unbelievable pickup for the Yankees. I, I really can't even stress it enough because what that does to their lineup I mean, we've seen so many times in the past where, you know, teams are able to just get out of innings because they can walk Aaron Judge. And a lot of times there weren't a lot of threats in that lineup. You know, like when you see a down year from a from a DJ or a Rizzo or, you know, Stanton, certainly, um, you know, I think if you have Soto as protection in that lineup, I mean, it makes all the difference in the world.
0: Yeah. And, and we always say when we when we talk baseball, not just about Soto, not just about the Yankees, but just baseball in general. Everything is interconnected. Right. And I was I've been talking about, you know, gaining one Soto to this lineup, like you said. And, you know, now you, you don't have to rely on a Rizzo to hit three and you don't have to rely on a Rizzo to, to be uh, your, your, you know, your second main source of power. And you don't have to rely on Glaber Torres to be your four hitter. You, you get a guy like like Soto and it immediately takes the weight off of everyone's shoulders. He's a lefty. And then on top of Soto, you get Verdugo, also a lefty also a very reliable bat and I think that uh, the Yankees are very poised to be you know if if you if you're a believer in you know uh, over correcting and or and kind of correcting what was wrong in the season prior this is exactly what the Yankees needed to do they were an abysmal offensive team I definitely last year I would even argue much of the season before as well their their offense kind of lacked out again outside of Aaron Judge but I think that if you're a Yankee fan, look, you gave up a lot of pitching. You gave up a lot of depth. You, you're you still have questions with with your uh, pitching rotation and and so again some of your pitching depth. But it was gonna hurt. Name me the name me the deal for a superstar in which the other team didn't even feel the slightest bit of pain, right? It it, it it's it's gonna happen. So I just think it. You're right. It was the move to make, and I'm I'm excited to see what. Not only Soto does, of course, but like you said, I want to see what it does for the rest of this
1: lineup. Yeah, I mean, it definitely hurt. But you gave away prospects that, you know, we don't really know when they're going to be MLB ready. And you have a chance to win a world championship this year. You do. Um, You know, because obviously the argument that I made for the Mets and stuff was, well, why would I want them to be in on Soto now? They can get them for just money in a year. But the Yankees are in a position where they can legitimately – uh, still contend. At least that's what I believe because I expect some bounce back years from some guys and whatnot. Um, another guy I don't really want to go under the radar. Obviously, we mentioned Ver- uh, Verdugo is Trent Grisham because you know you said yourself on the episode that you know too much outfield depth can never be a bad thing, especially uh, for this team where in years past we've seen a lot of seasons kind of get derailed uh, by injury, and you know it doesn't seem like that's the case now.
0: Yeah, and it's and you have. The even the one thing that the Yankees always get like people get annoyed at, right? You know, we all we're always at the trade deadline with the Yankees, and this is looking way ahead, right? And, and you, we everyone always says, All right, well, the Yankees will get X person back from injury, and that will be their acquisition at the deadline. This year, it's kind of already written that it's going to be Dominguez, so now you get you're gonna you have already a deep outfield to begin the season, and then you're gonna get Dominguez back who most likely will be an everyday outfielder for the second half of the season, one would hope. So, you know, maybe that means you you flip a Verdugo on on an expiring deal or you you trade a Trent Grisham just so you can, you know, once uh, Dominguez is back and healthy. And I think that's going to be an under underlying part of this trade that uh, will, the Yankees might reap the benefits of go, you know, into the next half of the year. We always see, right? Like, like picture this, right. This is how I foresee way too early kind of projection of the Yankee season. I think the Yankees get off to a great start. And I think for, for once, and, and, you know, maybe again, Yamamoto looming, we'll get into that when we talk a little bit about them, the Mets and in a little bit here, but let's just say they don't, the Yankees don't sign Yamamoto and they sign, you know, one or two kind of average arms to kind of just eat some innings in the beginning. In the past, the Yankees have been in the market for outfielders and they've been in the market for uh, relief pitching. This time, you're going to see the Yankees, I believe, be in the market for the, the team with a with a bad record or maybe underperforming and looking to get their ace to come on board in the second half of the season this year uh, in terms of starting pitching. And I think that you'll have a guy, a chip like Verdugo, and you'll have a chip like Gleber Torres, who are on expiring contracts, are, are, and you also have your whole lot of uh, prospects to deal. I think the Yankees are in a
1: great place right now. I really do. I do too, because if this whole thing goes according to plan, just imagine that outfield. And by according to plan, I mean, you know, Jason Dominguez is going to be the player that we all think he's going to be and that you're going to retain Juan Soto. Because at the end of the day, the trade that you made, we can agree that it hurts. I, I think it's, it's beyond worth it if Juan Soto is going to be here long term and this season is sort of the thing that maybe propels his decision to do so. So could you imagine an outfield of, I mean, what is Juan Soto, 24 years old right now, Jason Dominguez, and then I guess Aaron Judge is going to patrol center field. I mean, that, that's the way it seems right now, and that's not anything I have any issue with. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I think the Yankees are in a, a tremendous spot.
0: Well, a couple, couple things there. Um, as for Judge, uh, people have made it, a, it's Brian Cashman and his, I guess, not even uh, you know his introductory press conference to Soto, but kind of like. His, you know, praise me sort of press conference post
1: Soto deal. Yeah, by the way, did this like when he was just tweaking for a month straight and we were saying to each other, like, there's got to be some sort of big move coming. Otherwise, he, he's just losing his mind. You think like this is just the thing he had in the back of his head, just in, in the bank the whole time? Like, all right, just g- give me a month. We're, we'll have Juan Soto here and, and everyone will bow to me.
0: Well, well, partially, yes. And, and it was very interesting what Cashman said not necessarily along the lines of that but just along the lines of how the Soto transaction worked out he made it a point to mention that when the I believe it was the owner of the Padres had passed uh what was it the owner or the uh the it was the owner the owner okay when the owner passed for the Padres he Brian Cashman specifically said that that kind of Obviously, out of just you know respect reasons for the organization and whatnot, it kind of put a a, a wrench into the whole deal. So, it, I my answer to you is probably yes, and that this has probably been in the works for probably a long time. And, and Cashman even said that even at the trade deadline they had conversations around Juan Soto. Obviously, nothing t- came to fruition, but this is a guy that's been on the Yankees radar for a long time. A- and another aside here, not not going down any sort of rabbit hole, but uh, watch an interview yesterday that uh, I believe I shared with with our group chat amongst amongst some others. But it was a it was a fifty minute interview in full Spanish of Juan Soto. I was watching with the the YouTube auto generated English translation. If you want to make fun of me ever for saying that, I did that for a
1: Yankee. How, how did you find this video? Was there some so uh, Yanks twit that posted it or something and told you to go go to forty three minutes where he talks about the Yankees or whatever
0: no it's worse than that so juan soto posted a clip so the the guy who interviewed juan soto on this podcast among the other posts that people that juan soto was reposting on his instagram story uh you know just kind of saying thank you padres and you know welcome to the yankees probably his you know friends and family whatever there was a clip and it was it was just a clip from this podcast asking juan soto what he, you know his first impressions of being in new york were and I, I, it was just like a small clip, and it was just the question. But then my, I got very, like, kind of curious. I was like, all right, if there's, a, if there's an interview of 19-year-old Juan Soto talking about how amazing his first experience was in Yankee Stadium and how, quote-unquote, it's every kid's dream to play in Yankee Stadium, is it fair that my mind immediately wanders and says, this guy wants to be a Yankee, and he wanted to be a Yankee? Is that, like, too crazy of me to kind of jump from point to point? No,
1: I think that's fair. I just – you know, when we were on the last show, we were kind of talking about trading Volpe and, and things of that nature. And, you know, that's kind of where I had some pause. And I said, maybe this isn't worth it. Maybe you don't do this for a rental. You know, that was really the, the only pause that I had. I think it's fair for you to think that, you know, maybe this is where he wanted to be even all along. Um, but I just think there's still always going to be a little fear there. When we go into this upcoming offseason and he tells you he's still gonna hit the market. That's all. Because I don't know what his motivation is to sign a contract. You yeah. know, is there a chance that he looks at this season as a chance to to win a championship in New York and player and then you know wants to hit the market and just see where he's gonna get the most dollars? I, I think that that's a possibility.
0: Like a like a Kevin Durant.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh but well, all jokes aside
0: though you you could very well be right but my stance on free agency and I, I remember saying this on with judges free agency and you know don't forget judge wanted to come here as well right judge wanted to be a yankee and 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 i think that it's it's only fair to these players that they do this like in terms of uh you know in, in terms of just you know testing the open market and I, I'm a big believer. In, if you want to be here, you want to be here. So.
1: Yeah, but uh, but I do think it's it's very different with Judge. I mean, Judge having been here for five years, you know, an opportunity to be the captain and be, you know, an all-time Yankee great. I mean, I, I don't think Soto is ever going to be looked at in that sort of regard.
0: Maybe not, but, hey, you, you win a ring in New York, and I, I, and I think people might pay their own money to bring Soto in. Yeah. You know, so – Uh, it's, again, getting way too ahead of ourselves. I'm just down. I'm so excited to see Soto and Pinstripes and just enjoy, quite frankly, outside of my fandom and outside of just, you know, uh, liking baseball, just seeing an amazing baseball talent for the amount of games that I watch and go to. And every time I buy a ticket to go see the Yankees now, it's obviously sounds spoiled, but it's not just Judge. and It's not just Garrett Cole. Now you get Juan Soto on top of that. And it's I think it's just going to be a great environment I uh, always like to see my team with with the best baseball talent. Um,
1: yeah, for me, it's not just Vogel back, Um <laughs> yeah.
0: And it's not just Brett Beatty. But DJ Stewart as
1: well. Sometimes you get DJ Stewart too, and that's a <laughs> sure. great day.
0: And and you might end up with Yamamoto. And look, quite frankly, before we get into any Yamamoto, we, we were pushing off this the beginning of this podcast or the recording of this podcast, uh, kind of waiting for some Otani news. Um, seems like the the final three teams, according to all reports, are the Blue Jays, the Angels and the Dodgers with the Cubs kind of looming in the background. Um, so, again, we'll, we'll see. We'll see where that ends up. Obviously, that's going to set the market for a lot of, you know, lesser free agents. But Yamamoto,
1: all, all signs point that this might be Yankees-Mets bidding war. Yeah. Yeah. And like what I said yesterday and it's something that I'm a little fear, fearful that I even said, was I said, you know, if the Mets want him, then he should be a Met. Like, that's that's just how it should go because, you know, the Yankees have expenses coming up and the Mets just have more money. So to me, it just feels like a guy like Yamamoto, the Mets did fly over to Japan, but, uh, you know, at the same token, the Yankees were at, what, every start uh, that he had last year. Uh, I think this is kind of like the Mets bidding more to lose. And it's one that I don't want to lose because I I think this is just an exceptional piece that's going to be there for a while. And I just think it fits the Mets timeline so perfectly. And the fact that they haven't done anything yet, uh, we haven't even heard that they've been really in on any of these, you know, sort of top priority guys, uh, except for Yamamoto. So to me, I, I think the Mets have just made him priority number one. Um, and to me, I think the Yankees would just really, really love to have them. But I, I almost feel like the Mets have to come out of this offseason with at least Yamamoto. And if it's just Yamamoto, I, I have no no issues, no complaints whatsoever. I sort of understand what this season's going to be. Um, but I, I guess this I'm kind of looking at this like the first Mets game of the year. Like, it, Could you at least beat the Yankees here?
0: Yeah, and, and I think that y- you hope that Steve Cohen's wallet can do some talking because all, all things that I read, and again, they're both in New York, but it, we would be kind of foolish to to not acknowledge that, like, the allure of, of New York comes to the Yankees, not necessarily the Mets. Yeah, not saying that th- that will be inevitable, but if you're, like like I mentioned about Juan Soto, right? You know, he, he didn't say all, all players want to grow up and play in New York. He said all players want to grow up and play in Yankee Stadium. Like, there's a little bit of a difference there, and I think if you're the Mets, you got to hope that, that uh, Yamamoto almost feels, you know, I guess a similar way, but it would be okay with a a lesser, I don't want to say little brother, but would be okay with taking more money for less of the, uh, you know, quote unquote allure and signing with the Mets. Uh, Because I I would presume that the Mets could offer more money. That would be what I would presume.
1: Yeah. And I guess at the same time, I'm sort of just hoping that, you know, him not growing up, you know, like we did in this country or something like that. Um, you know, I'm sort of hoping that maybe that Yankee allure hasn't, uh, you know, struck him the way it has say a Juan Soto, but uh, yeah, this is, this is just, this is the deal that I, I would love to get done. And, and, but, but at the same time in this, in this city and baseball might be the only sport where it happens. Cause we know it doesn't happen in the NBA. Um, I, I mean, it, it doesn't happen in the NFL just because the Jets are never good enough, but There are times when the Mets can sort of, I don't want to say take over the city, but like become the hot thing in the city. Like when, you know, we saw in 2015, saw it a couple of years ago when everyone thought the Mets were going to go on this, you know, crazy run spending money, they were going to be the new evil umpire. They sort of do find a way to steal, you know, headlines and and a good fraction of the allure in the city when, you know, the sides are reversed. Unfortunately for the Mets, that's not usually the case. So I I, I don't know, are you trying to sell Yamamoto on – Look! Look at the money that we spent. It hasn't worked out great, but look at the players we brought in here. We want to win here, and you know this. We have a chance that this could be, you know, sort of like what the Yankees said. You know, the the mecca of baseball, but you know, the mecca of New York baseball is kind of what I mean. I think the Mets have big goals, just like the Yankees do, and I do think there's times where that that lever that lever kind of seesaws a little bit between yeah, the two and-
0: teams. You're, you're, I think you're 100% right in that, in, in thinking that and, you know, understanding that. And I think it's definitely understood amongst many New York fans that, look, if if the Mets end up, like you said, even if they don't win, but even if they get to, you know, a 2015-like run or, uh, you know, around th- that time where the Yankees are not necessarily, you know, the right. best. I'm just saying I se. think that's
1: what they're, they're selling to him. It's like, yeah. you know, big picture for the Mets. I think they really could attain that again.
0: Well, it's 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 like so the the debate would be: Would you rather be the first step or the last step? And uh, I think that's what you need in terms of you know building a a, a uh, or swaying the the market. I could even say where for the Yankees, Yamamoto would be the cherry on top. Yeah, Juan Soto. Yankees yeah, getting Juan Soto doesn't
1: really help the Mets'
0: case. It, yeah, exactly because he's probably. I would assume Yamamoto under knows like the the MLB players. I would assume. And so he's probably looking at all the headlines and saying, wow, like it would be so cool to play with, you know, Juan Soto. But, you know, and if, but if, if the Mets got, you know, ex free agent or, or Shohei Otani, or if the Mets got, uh, got Juan Soto, like you said, the, the script could definitely
1: flip. It's very possible. Maybe there's an avenue where he's not familiar with, you know, the landscape of the MLB at all. And you could just tell him, like, DJ Stewart, this guy is like, he's Juan Soto. Just wait. Just wait on DJ Stewart. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> just wait on it. But um, yeah, the the Mets uh, are definitely gonna be a, a team to follow.
1: Again, a lot. Do you you know, have a, a lot gut feeling time? on this one, Uh where he's gonna go. Yeah, like do you just feel like the Yankees are just on a mission and they're not gonna be stopped right now? Like, do you like your gut feeling is that that they're gonna acquire him as well? I, I mean, I, I really do.
0: And but my my thing is is kind of getting back to what I said about you know the allure apparently like Yamamoto just like loves it. Like he loves the the big stage and he loved that all the, you know, all the Yankees brass and all the, the MLB brass would be at all his games. And he, he likes the spotlight. Very people would bring that up in, in kind of in contrast to Otani and kind of saying that like, you know, Otani kind of wants to be out of the spotlight where Yamamoto is the opposite. And he wants to be, like, he wants the ball in a, in a game seven. Obviously Garrett Cole would, would presumably still be the ace unless He's just, you know, the greatest pitcher of all time, but, uh, you know, all signs point to the fact that he, that's what he wants. And I, I think if you're him and you, you look at the Mets and, and I getting back to, you know, mid baseball season when the Mets would trade and they kind of, I thought mistakenly made it a point to say that, oh, you know, we're going to forego 2023. I think that if they don't sign uh Yamamoto or if they don't get any really big fish that can kind of fit into that timeline that we were talking about I, i'm sorry if, if this is just me being yankee boy but i think that saying that it it kind of might have really really harmed the mets and their uh their pursuit of free agents by saying that do do you disagree with that
1: i you know like i don't disagree but the i just feel like they obviously showed you that that's what they were doing mid-season you know what i mean like The fact that they came out and said it, I I totally get it. I I know that that maybe brings it to a new level. Uh, But, you know, when the trade deadline hit, I mean, we kind of all knew what they were doing, right? I mean, unless we just expected them to just say, oh, let's with all this money on the books, let's just run it back. Let's just spend another, you know, crap ton of money. Um, You know, I never really saw that happening. So I don't know that them coming out and saying it really changed anyone's minds about anything. But like I think it's I you could have had you know you could have had Justin Verlander this season if you wanted to.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I think it's more of the optic of you know y- you have the richest owner, you you have the you're in New York, a huge market, and the biggest fish in the last hundred years is about to become available, and you, you say like you're good. Like I-, I just thought that there there was a lot of even even like seeing like you know uh, the writing on the wall with the potential of a Juan Soto trade that was definitely a rumor even at the deadline when the Mets started to sell off pieces, I just, and I think that if you're Yamamoto, if you're a guy, again, these are all just reports. I I obviously have never spoken to Yamamoto in my life. I've never even heard him speak in, in an interview before, but these are just all via reports. If you're Yamamoto and you're a guy that loves the competition, loves the spotlight, even if the Yankees and the Mets offer you the same thing, wouldn't you think Yamamoto comes back at the Mets and says, all right, you could offer me, you know, 10 years or whatever, but, I know that at least this year you already said I won't be getting that spotlight moment, most likely.
1: Yeah. No, I mean that's that's totally fair. So and I think I would say that I think that I think Steve Cohen and the Mets learned a lesson last season, you know. So it does stink that, you know, we're coming into this season where the biggest fish ever is available and you have the richest owner, and like you said, they kind of said we're good. And then it kind of makes you feel like, well, what what are you even here for? But I I just feel like, you know, they kind of went a route last year that didn't work and they're taking a step back. They're going to get that money off the books. And then I expect them to do it again. Um, But I'm not sure that, you know, a a great excuse is just, you know, uh, that this, you know, the one year Otani is available. That just happens to be the year that, you know, we're, we're not spending. I'm not sure that's acceptable. But at the same time. I mean, you would have to think the Mets at least reached out. It, it, you, don't you think there's a chance Otani just said East Coast? No, don't don't bother. Don't even call me. Very
0: and I, and probably and I mean the the anti argument the argument against what I just said it is exactly that in saying that you no know, maybe the Mets this were smarter than what I'm saying and and knew Otani wasn't going to come to the East Coast and kind of just say.
1: <clears throat> excuse me, I still have the the bad face here. That could be yeah. another lesson they learned because we've seen the Mets get
0: used before. Yeah, well, that well, uh, you know, you know, I've been saying that since the day Steve Cohen got hired that the Mets are, might just be a, a negotiating piece until Steve Cohen is not here anymore.
1: Right. So that's why I'm setting the bar at this season. Just get me Yamamoto, and I will make a peep. So, so
0: in in the theoretical, let's just say Yamamoto goes to the Yankees. Is there like anyone you know of of the notable free agents that are would be presumably left? Uh, that yeah, I mean, would I would of... like a Jordan Montgomery. Okay, and what about like a like a Blake Snell or or someone someone along those lines?
1: Uh, yeah, of course. I, I mean,
0: yeah. And then, uh, and then, like ancillary pieces, like uh, I mean, I think the Mets probably could use a um a an outfielder or two. Again, all jokes aside, I believe right now, if the opening day was tomorrow, I believe DJ Stewart would be in your starting outfield. So I, I could see the Mets making a move for an outfielder. Um, And then, uh, again, the the biggest question mark looming, uh, and according to all reports that we saw, they haven't said a peep to Pete Alonzo about a contract extension.
1: Yeah, I don't know how to feel about this, because they they gave us, you know, back and forth reports, um, you know, leading up to the offseason about how the Mets felt about keeping Alonzo. then we get to the point where David Stearns comes in and he kind of blatantly tells us that that's definitely one of our goals is to to keep Alonzo here. Um, and, and it should be and it has to be. I don't know that I'm getting worked up yet because it is early, but we're coming off of the winter meetings and there's nothing. Uh, it's just it's a little bit suspicious. But, you know, I have kind of stood here the whole time. It makes no sense to to deal Alonzo. It makes no sense to let Alonzo walk. Um, as corny as it might sound, he's kind of a guy that you know, he loves to be here. He's kind of the face of the Mets right now. And, and I think he represents the Mets well, corny, but you know, well, fans like it and all that kind of stuff. And you're not getting that power anywhere else. So I think the more time that goes on, uh, this will become a big story and I will get sort of uber concerned. Uh, but at the moment, I'm not. I, I th- kind of feel like the Mets just have their eyes on on other things right now. I, yeah. It wouldn't seem like it, but I, I would hope that they do.
0: Yeah, and, and I think that, you're, you're probably right and you're probably the Mets probably are are with an understanding with Alonzo that you know we, we it, like you said Stearns comes in and I think it, it seemed like the intention was to, to keep Alonzo around and, and it's probably like a not saying that they have an agreement agreed to but it's probably understood on both sides that they probably want to work towards a contract extension but like you said they're with with they're probably, all hands on deck to try and get Yabamoto hopefully.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, get me, get me that done. And then, uh, you know, go out this year and do whatever you want. Cool. So
0: last, last, uh, last thing on baseball before we hop over to the football side, Um, just real quick, it it seems like Otani's decision is looming. You sound like you are on the Dodgers side of this. I myself believe he will play for the blue Jays. Uh, This podcast might come out and Otani might have signed already, but, uh, state your case real quick.
1: Why is he going to play for the Dodgers? Just because I think the Dodgers are—they always wind up being that team. It's not fun anymore. Uh, it's lame. It just—it's always the Dodgers. It, every single time, it's the Dodgers, and it's you know that's it's a team we've heard maybe since his second year in the league that yeah he'll be a Dodger one day. I just feel like they get themselves back into the mix, and that winds up happening. Um, the Blue Jays, as of this morning, seem like they're front runners. There's some noise there but I I really can't read into any reports with Otani when he doesn't want anything leaked. You know, people go as far as to say that if you go out of your way to leak something, you're dead to him. So, you know, I'm not counting out any teams. I would prefer him to be in Toronto, just, you know, uh, on Eastern standard time. So I could watch him play a little more. Uh, But to me, it just, it feels like it always comes down to the Dodgers.
0: Yeah, and I think that the, all signs say that, again, Dodgers, Blue Jays, Angels seem to be the, the three teams that are, are most heavily still in the mix for Otani. Um, and, and I mean, for the for the Blue Jays, I just think that, you know, he he can go there and kind of just, you know, dominate a country, right? He can not necessarily, again, I know it's the MLB and I know it's obviously predominantly uh, full of teams in America and whatnot, but he goes there and in terms of just the marketing deals, in terms of just the, the stardom and not saying that he wants this, but it's got to be his agents got to be in his ear saying, dude, you go to you go to Toronto and you go to Canada, they might put you on the flag. If you yeah. can go with Yeah, there. they
1: might. See, so that's another thing about Otani is like, and this is just why he comes off so strange to me. Like, why? Why no East Coast? But Canada? Yeah. Give me that. It makes no sense.
0: Well, I think I think he was just kind of anti-New York. That could be. You know, and, and it, like we said about the Mets, it could very well have been the reason why they said, yeah, this guy's not coming to New York. We're just going to not
1: even be in there. Let's not even get in the what race. What would be the reason that a Shohei Otani would be anti-New York? You you think it's just talking to other players? Uh, you think it's maybe when he – like I've been to a, a couple of Otani games in New York. It's It's insane, sort of the – You know, the the coverage outside of the stadium, even just the coverage in the media, you know, if Otani's in Yankee Stadium and if Otani's pitching, uh, you know, it's kind of the the game of the week. You think it's more so that or is do you think it's just he just hates New York? Because I kind of do. I I would understand that.
0: (laughs) It's it's tough for me to say, honestly, but like I'll say this. I don't know if this this might not answer your question, but if he's like shy away from the spotlight, uh, he all these teams, maybe you should go back to the Angels because. He will for sure be in the spotlight if he plays on the Blue Jays. For sure, be in the spotlight if he plays on the Dodgers. So, if if it's the spotlight, that's the issue. He's got another kick coming. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, just a, a lot of baseball to get to for sure. But uh, but we have we have football to get to. Uh, definitely two two local games this week. Uh, Giants coming off their bye, starting Tommy DeVito. Uh, that's the Monday night game, but. We have uh, a lot of Jets to talk about. Jets play the Texans at home this week, Texans surging. We'll get into the X's and O's of that game. But, uh, I mean, again, just the, the Jets are just, uh, in the spirit of the holidays, the The gift that keeps on giving in terms of drama, in terms of yeah. stories, in terms of the coach reaching out to uh, former radio host to confide in them.
1: Ridiculous. Uh, what Absolutely a time it is to be ridiculous. a Jets fan. What's up? I said, what a time it is to be a Jet fan, right? Oh, it's great. Yeah, I do want to start with Salah. Um, I'm not going to get on here and call for anyone's jobs or anything like that. But I think if the Jets wanted to move on from Robert Salah, I don't think I'd have an issue with it, honestly. Um, this year, what we've seen, actually, not even just this year, just the past couple of weeks, we've seen him, like you said, confide in a New York radio host who's a, a part-time Saturday show guy, by the way, in Joe Beningo, at least nowadays. Um... So he kind of spills some things to Beningo, Beningo drops it all on the air and then Sal the next day at the podium, oh, you know, he's a friend, whatever. It's just like he's his whole, you know, brand of charisma and his personality and this I'm just I'm the nicest guy in the world. It gets old because then we have Aaron Rodgers on the McAfee show where and I agree with everything he said in terms of, you know, who was the whistleblower on the Jets that said this about Zach Wilson or that. Anytime Aaron Rodgers says anything, Robert Sala just gets up there and goes, oh, yeah, you know, he's he's a leader of our team. He's certainly, you know, he's entitled to his opinion. I wouldn't even care if Robert, Robert Sala got on there, uh, agreed with Rodgers, and then ripped the player who did it, you know? But it's never that. He, he just doesn't come across to me like a head coach. And then you couple all of that in with the fact that this team probably has just the most boneheaded penalties, not even penalties, just really the way they play football um, in the league. There's nothing that I could look at Robert Sala and say like, oh, he deserves his flowers for this though. I don't think he's ever conveyed that he's a competent head coach once. And I know the Jets brass is kind of, you know, Rogers is controlling the team. That's how it's going to be until next year. I totally understand that. If Rodgers wants him gone, get, get rid of him. I don't care. I'm not calling for him to be gone. I guess I don't really think he should be yet. I think you let everyone run it back next year. But when things are this bad, why do you have to embarrass yourself in the organization every week?
0: Yeah, I, and it's it's kind of crazy that you're, I think there's a couple of things you just said that, that are totally spot on. Like, you know, even if Rodgers came here and even if Rodgers uh, brought this team to, you know, the quote unquote promised land, how much of that would be on Salah? Would or would it just be Aaron Rodgers? What I'm trying to say is, you're right in the fact, and I think that Sala's, you know lack of answers and lack of different answers just shows that Aaron Rodgers runs this team. And I think that you're like you said, if Rodgers wants X person out, they'll be out. And I think that it's crazy to think that. You know, you, you hear people say, oh, he only played four snaps and he has this much control of the team. I mean, Rodgers has this much control of the team because he's Aaron Rodgers, not because. Right. And I don't have a problem
1: with that, by the way. I, I think it yeah. makes sense. And I think Rodgers came over here and immediately was and sorry if I just cut you off immediately was like, this is going to be, you know, a collaborate effort between all of us. And if you see his relationships with other coaches compared to Sala, I think it's telling I get that he's the head coach, and maybe it's a different dynamic. I get it. But it it just feels like Aaron Rodgers doesn't have that sort of relationship with Robert Sala, and that's why Robert Sala comes to the podium and is confused and doesn't know what to say, because I just don't think he blends in as head coach. And how many times have you said, it just feels like he's lost to the team? Isn't that enough two years in a row where it feels like you completely lost the locker room? But instead, we just have to blame that all on Zach Wilson. Well, yeah, I've
0: I've been saying that even in terms of the uh, like, just like the play on the field, I think that he's lost the team. And then if uh, in my opinion, if you've lost the the team with the play on the field, I couldn't even tell you what the locker room is like, because the uh, it has to be the guys have to be so just, you know, imagine you're a guy like a. I don't know, like a, a guy that's just been – name any Jet that's been here for the last – C.J. Mosley. I was going to say C.J. Mosley. C.J. Mosley. You know, you've seen the ups and downs of this team. You're finally at a position where, wow, where, you know, we got Aaron Rodgers. We've we we we've got this great defense. Everyone everyone agrees that our defense is great. We go out on the field for the first, you know, quarter of the season and our, and our defense is great, even against the toughest of the tough teams. And then, you know, you sit here now – and you, got, you have all these rumors with your coach, uh, again, confiding in a, 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 a radio host. I, re- I really can't get over that. I, I can't get over either. But just to put yourself – If we, what I'm trying to say is if we can't get, believe that,
1: what do you think CJ Mosley feels like? Yeah, and you know what? I think they feel just – like not even angry anymore. I just think I would feel beat down and just like emotionally drained. And I think that's where all the miscues and all the – you know the nitwitted penalties that we spoke about. I think that's kind of where it comes from. It, it's just guys are beat down. And they they have to be because it, there's there's no way
0: that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm I understand that players, you know, they they play for their pay and they're they're here to to get their own job in the future and they're putting their own film on tape. But like, it gets to a point where even you know, let's let's talk about the Zach Wilson thing because Zach Wilson literally said. No, I'm good. I'm not. I don't want to play. I'm not going to go get myself hurt and risk myself. Uh, you know, to to risk my my longevity of my career, quote unquote, for for this team that's just that they don't even want to be here. And you know, I'm not going to run for my life to do so. I mean, is if Zach Wilson openly feels that way about you know getting benched and arguably being the problem or being the main problem here with the Jets, how does it feel if you're on the defense of this team where? You are the exact opposite of the problem, and you still have to endure the same results.
1: Yeah, yeah. Honestly, the defense probably doesn't even mind that he doesn't want to play. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. To to that report, though, I, I do believe that that was a real thing, and I think Robert Sala, probably against Aaron Rodgers' wishes, because here we go again with that whole dynamic, he kind of slipped that that was a reality at some point. And then we hear Rodgers the next day calling it character assassination – and all this kind of mumbo-jumbo. I do believe that that was a legitimate report, though.
0: I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm probably on the same side there, too. But I don't know, man. I, I, to me, I'm at the point where, like, you could tell me the craziest story. Like, send me an Onion article. Uh, and, and I would probably believe that it was it was true. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I don't know what, what could possibly be, you know, put past this team at this point. And it's – I just – it's it's such a terrible like just just thing to watch, I guess, uh, kind of unfold, and I, I really do feel bad for, for the. This
1: you know defense. what's crazy. Every single week for the Jets, I could generate just a, like an article from the Onion headline. Like yeah, week one, one yeah. you know, Aaron Rodgers with Super Bowl aspirations, Jets career over after four plays. Uh, you know, skip to now. Uh, incumbent Jets quarterback Zach Wilson says, "I'm good." It, they're just they're a joke.
0: Yeah, and and it's and, and I don't think it's going to get better this week. We'll we'll get into that game. Um, anything else on this this embarrassment of a football team we call the Jets? No, before we get into I, the I'm Giants, I'm glad that we got
1: it out of the way, though.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely needed to be addressed. Um, but uh, there there's definitely football to be played. Let's let's get to the Giants a little bit. Ne- not necessarily the X's and O's, but um, kind of let's let's start with the quarterback position. Um, they they decide that Tommy DeVito is going to be their guy. I think it is the the right decision obviously in, in a season where it, I don't want to say it's lost for the for the Giants you know it's still a lot of football I, I, I to be would. played I but would. It's, I mean there's still a lot of football to be played no like there's there's a very very viable opportunity that the Giants maybe muster up a few wins and
1: and find themselves playing somewhat meaningful football in yeah but a couple weeks from now doesn't the the decision to stick with Tommy DeVito which I also agree with 100 percent doesn't that kind of tell you that that's not what they're looking to do? Play meaningful games later on. I mean, if if
0: I'll say this, if you if you're a Giant fan and you think that Daniel Jones, to me, this all of this kind of speaks to them almost backing Daniel Jones or kind of doubling down on Daniel Jones. But if you're rolling out, if you're rolling out a guy like Devito, and obviously, I you know, it would be amazing for the Giants to to finally. Uh, you know, f- have found a quarterback and, and a gem in in Tommy DeVito and him be the quarterback for the next X amount of years. Don't think that's going to happen. But I think if the Giants can kind of get out of this with, all right, we we check the box of so we can stick with DeVito, maybe draft a rookie as well, and then you know see where we are with Daniel Jones. Because I, I can't see uh, DeVito, you know, stepping in and, and and maybe bringing this team to any sort of playoff run per se. But I think that there's a way that the Giants can see what they have in in some of their guys and also not necessarily win too much. Like, I think they can be in that middle ground.
1: Yeah, I agree. They've kind of showed us that uh, the last couple of weeks. But I don't know. I don't think the tune has changed internally for the Giants since a few weeks ago when we were sitting here being like, it will be really nice if they can get the number one overall pick. You know, I think they ran into some wins. I don't think players and even coaches to an extent are really wired to lose uh, you know, once the pads are on and the whistles are blown. Um, but, yeah, I mean, aside from that, I, I really – I don't I don't know what to say about the Giants. I, I don't know that there's really – like, the light that's at the end of the tunnel, we can't really see it yet because I just don't know what they're doing. I don't know how they feel about their quarterback. I don't know how they feel about what draft pick they think they're going to get or any of that.
0: Yeah, and it's – again, the Giants are sound like they're just probably just, you know, uh, there it's, it would be, like you said, it's tough to just go out there and, and tell your guys to just lose a football game, right? Well, I do think that there's definitely times that coaching staffs do not necessarily put their best foot forward in terms of, you know play calling and and player utilization on teams that are uh, closer towards the bottom than the top, I'll say fairly. But I think for the Giants, they they probably just realize that, look, I mean, you look at their schedule, Really tough game against the Packers this week. Again, I'll be at home. I wouldn't be, I don't think anyone would be, quote unquote, stunned if they won that game. No,
1: then if they this go to the Rodgers year, like still in Green Bay. That's, I, I probably would have a ticket to that game.
0: Yeah. Pro- it would probably be a, a great game to go to. But then after that, their remaining games are at the Saints. That's a tough one. Anyone that goes to New Orleans is a tough game. At the Eagles, the Eagles might really need that game now. Uh, the only really, you know, quote unquote, winnable game that they have past this uh this Packers game is is probably the Rams at home because then they play the Eagles again and you know that
1: that I mean it doesn't seem like that last game of the year is going to be as winnable as it was last year oh yeah no Dallas rolling yeah I mean and, and again
0: like I think the the Eagles losing to the 49ers and the Eagles again huge game huge game for the Giants honestly uh Sunday night with the Eagles Cowboys game that we'll get into but uh, you know, the Giants, again, I think they can find themselves seeing good things, but not necessarily getting good results. And I think they're happy with being in that middle ground right now.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. I actually think that's the best case scenario.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you, you know, as for as for the two locals, we'll, we'll get into the the X's and O's of these games a little bit when we uh, give our picks, but um, or kind of go around the league. But uh, you ready to give our picks because we have we're, we're re- reaching the end here. And we are very very neck and neck
1: yeah uh do you have an update or, or ready or, or no we gave that I already. do
0: I, no I, I have I have the uh, another update if, if just as long as we're on the subject right now it sits you have 28 points to my 27 you are 17 eight and one to my 17 and 10 um and our guest pick 9 three and one after getting the 49ers correct last week um if if you're ready to give your picks, you can go first. You can start with your one point play. Yeah, let's do it. You wanna give yours first?
1: No, you go ahead. You go ahead. Alright, I got this fucking dog.
0: I have one of those too.
1: Benson. Benson, you just made Sam's job harder. you feel good about yourself.
0: What uh what what is uh Benson leaning this week in terms of NFL picks?
1: Benson, what are we thinking?
0: No, Benson, that's not a good pick. He's on Jets? Yes.
1: Embarrassing. He's loyal, but embarrassing.
0: (laughs) One point pick. Go ahead.
1: All right. I'm going to take the actually I'm going to go against Benson here. Uh, This is a game that opened up at Texans minus six and a half. The Jets make the switch back to Zach Wilson. And somehow uh, that's worth three points on the line there. So right now Texans favored by it's three and a half. Am I correct on that?
0: You are correct.
1: Three and a half um, at MetLife. And, yeah, I'm going to take the Texans. I mean, that's a team that at least can score points. Uh, We just talked about how kind of beat down the Jets' defense is, and we've kind of seen that play out on the field. They've they've given up some, you know, some big points um, here and there. I think this is another week where that could happen, even if it doesn't. They don't do enough offensively to lose by less than probably a touchdown. So uh, one-point play, give me the Houston Texans minus three and a half.
0: Well, I'm going to skip ahead to my two-point play because it's the same as your one-point play, and I agree with you. It's it's the Texans. It's, it has to be the play. Uh, and look, the Jets, uh, this is, quite frankly, a team that can score a lot of points versus a team that can score a little bit of points. And like you said, swaying the line, a whole three points for Zach Wilson starting this. Uh, I mean, if someone please explain that one to me because I'll, I'll never understand it. I think Texans minus three and a half is the play. I wish I could I wish I could double down my season total on the Texans. Yeah, I, minus I was three. just gonna say I
1: feel like to me, like that game more than any other game we've had this season, maybe it's just because of how in tune we are with the Jets. I think that's the game I've liked the most all year.
0: I think so too. And now you're kinda scaring me off of it. Um do you wanna <laughs> give your your I, I jumped ahead to my two point play. Do you want me to give my one point play or do you wanna give your your two
1: point play first? Well, your one point play is the Texans, right? No, no, I jumped ahead. Texans are my two-point play. Oh, oh, okay. Jump ahead in that way. Okay, yeah, interesting. All right, I'll give my, my two-point play then. <laughs> okay, so uh, my two-point play, I maybe made this pick just because it's a game that I know I'm going to be watching. Uh, it's a game that we've seen these two opponents play before, uh, and we've seen some amazing ones. Uh, I'm obviously going to the Bills and Chiefs game. This one at Arrowhead, Chiefs favored by one and a half. Um, I just like what I've seen from the Bills way too much here. I I think the Bills, it's kind of another one of those scenarios where it's kind of, there's a trending up and there's a trending down, even if it's, you know, even if it's kind of a steady downhill. Uh, I I like Buffalo here. I think they've kind of really tuned some things since there was a lot of worry about Buffalo a few weeks ago. uh, And I really like them in this spot.
0: And it's very, very funny because my one-point play will be the Chiefs, the other side of that, giving one and a half uh, and, and let me go against you I think that the bills are you are what your record says you are and I look I get it they, they figured some things out they're obviously much better than six and six I think Chiefs are much better than eight and four not much better but I think that the Chiefs are probably have one one less win than they should maybe they're a couple games just kind of were, were just strange games that Packer's game. Look, we were all over that Packers pick, but losing to the Packers there, I think if you run that game back in Arrowhead, uh, or you know, just in uh, in in really most scenarios, the Chiefs probably win that game. I think that was that's going to be a wake up call for the Chiefs going forward. I think they're going to start involving more more guys and maybe get some different looks. Uh, they were out Jarek McKinnon, who's who's definitely a big weapon of their offense last week, um, and I think that. In terms of the Bills, all this ridiculous Sean McDermott stuff this week—the vibes cannot be high oh
1: my God. Uh, around. We, we, I almost, I actually should have changed my pick because I, I know we're in the pick segment, but just for a second, uh, yeah. if you haven't seen the Sean McDermott report, head coach of the Buffalo Bills, obviously, uh, just Google his name because it, it's the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life.
0: <laughs> I thought when when it was shared with in our group, I thought it. Yeah, I thought it was a joke. Yeah, I thought again. I thought it was an Onion article.
1: Yeah. But, uh, but yeah,
0: I, we don't need to kind of go over that at all. But definitely, if you don't understand, don't know what's going on with the Bills or Sean McDermott, look up Sean McDermott on Google and do your own research there. I'll, I'll let everyone else uh, kind of get their own opinion on that. But I'm going against that. Where there's smoke, there's fire. I think if the Chiefs win this game and the Bills fall to 6-7, and seven, we might see a drastic coaching fire, a, kind of a desperate Coaching
1: fire there, and uh, I just I look at last week where the Bills they really should have won that game against Philly. Um, Actually, the reason they lost is the reason I lost fantasy. I don't know if you were watching the end of that game. I'm I'm sure you are, actually. But um, the miscommunication to a wide open Gabe Davis.
0: Yeah, I mean Gabe Davis. He, he, you're right. Part part of me kind of agrees with you in in the case of the Bills, but then they got to go on the road. And you got to play the Chiefs.
1: It's going to be a playoff atmosphere regardless. Yeah, but they of, just played the it early. It's not like that's, you know, it's not like that's uh, an easy little strut. I Look, I understand. But we're going to have to flip on this game. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it kind of sounds like I'm trying to beg you to come to my side. I'm not. Yeah. Uh, I'm happy you're, you're where you are.
0: Yeah. I mean, realistically, the uh, if the Chiefs win, this is a huge moving week for us. Because if the Chiefs win and we're both right in the Texans pick, I take a two point lead on you. Yeah. no, It it does make
1: sense by the way that you put the Jets pick as your two point play. um, Because we both just said that's our favorite game of the year. So for anyone wondering why I didn't do that, I'm just, I'm, they call me prime time. You know, that's what (laughs) I do. My two point play is going to be the biggest game of the week.
0: And, and respect to you for that one. Um, Let's uh, let's, let's go around the league. Uh, Some interesting games for sure. Um, the first game of the day, 1 o'clock, Falcons hosting the Buccaneers, Falcons giving one Loki, a huge game. The Falcons can kind of put themselves in a, a very good spot for playoff contention if they win this game. I'm going to take the Falcons minus one and a half at home.
1: Yeah, I don't know how that team is 6-6. Six and six. That's a mystery to me. But, yeah, I think they're kind of still playing for something, whereas I think the Tampa Bay sort of initial excitement or whatever it might have been, I think that's kind of gone. So yeah, I, I like Atlanta too, just because I, I guess hunger your dog.
0: Yeah, and I think that the the Buccaneers look the the we say this every week, but the Buccaneers Baker Mayfield experience uh, is is kind of crashing and burning to, for lack of a better term. Uh, and I think that the Falcons, like you said, hunger your dog at home. I'll take the Falcons there. Next game, I'm interested to see what your your side of this game is. The Lions head to Chicago to play the
1: Bears. Lions giving three and a half on the road here. So I I feel like the public take right now on the Lions after that, uh, you know, the loss to Green Bay and all that. The public take on the Lions right now is that I feel like, you know, they're a sexy team, but they're, you know, they're nine and three and it's a little bit fraudulent. And I could see the Bears just moving the ball on them. Um, I totally get that part of it. And if I wind up with Justin Fields in my fantasy lineup, then I hope that's the way it goes. But I just think coming off of what they're coming off of, I, I just I, I think they kind of put their foot down, and they beat a team that I think they're clearly better than. So I kind of hope this game winds up being a shootout. Um, and in a shootout, I still trust Detroit a little bit more. But I did think about the Bears as an underdog pick, which we actually did recently. I almost did it again, decided against it.
0: I, I too thought about the Bears as an underdog pick here. Um, don't forget these teams played each other uh, a few weeks ago, I believe, and it was a very close game up until the fourth, like to almost the very end, where the Lions pulled the pulled out the win. I'm going to take the Bears with the points, though. Uh, not I, they might win outright, but you know, three and a half at home uh, against a Lions team that look they, they've they've had their ups and downs. I, I, they're, they are nine and three. I understand you are where your record is, but going on the road, I think this is an overlooked spot against a four and eight Bears team that I think their talent wise is much better than being four and eight. Um, give me the Bears plus three and a half. I, I, I again, like you said, I was very close to picking this game as an underdog pick, but if I didn't have two loves that I had on the board there. Um, uh-huh. next game, the Bengals hosting the Indianapolis Colts minus two, the Bengals are at home. I'm riding with the Bengals. I like what I see out of Browning, and I think they're just the better team.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say, if you're a believer in what you've seen from Browning uh, lately, then, yeah, the, the Bengals are the better team, and they should win the game. I mean, if they could still utilize the weapons that they have without Joe Burrow, uh, yeah, they should still be the better team here. So, uh, yeah, I like them at home as well.
0: Cool. So next game, we have the Jaguars heading to Cleveland. Jaguars plus three on the road at Cleveland. I believe Joe Flacco will leave this Cleveland Browns team again, uh, and then all, as of right now, Trevor Lawrence was deemed questionable. If you watch the game, uh, his last game, he went down with an ugly-looking injury. Kind of miraculous that he's even questionable at this point. But um, Jaguars plus three. Look, I'm I'm the, I'm on the Jaguars. And yeah, I mean, I, I have move. two different
1: picks. I'm sorry. Like I have two different picks. You know, like a with and without Trevor Lawrence. Oh.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, right now, I think all signs are pointing that Trevor Lawrence will play. But, but honestly, look—if CJ Beathard plays, obviously, I'm gonna. I think I'd side here with the with the Browns. You could throw out what I'm about to say, but you know if they're gonna get plus three with Trevor Lawrence. Please, I I beg Joe Flacco to have the same kind of performance as last week in a in a losing effort. I might add, but you know everyone's so high in the fact that oh Joe Flacco looked competent. Cool, let him look competent against an eight and four Jaguars team. And then we can get in the conversation. I'll take the Jaguars plus three.
1: Yeah. I think if you're going to get the Jaguars plus three um, and science point to Trevor Lawrence playing, yeah, that, that's the way I lean to.
0: Yeah. And uh, I think it, it has to be the way, but again, I think this line, I'll be curious. We mentioned with the line flip with Zach Wilson. I'm curious what the line would flip without Trevor Lawrence in this game. You know, might Michael, if that, if that was a three point sway for Zach Wilson it might be uh But don't a, a, you feel like this,
1: like this line is almost indicative of him not playing? I think already. For I, I mean, look, I, I, I hear you, but all, everything I read says that he's questionable and trying to play on, uh, on, on Sunday. Yeah, I so, think the bigger line move would be if he's cleared and he says, "I'm gonna play. I feel great." I think that would be the the bigger line move. I feel like this is more catered to he's not healthy or he's likely not going to play. I don't know. That's just the way I I feel. Cause it is a a, a sort of a strange line.
0: Yeah. I mean, definitely is, but I'll take the value now and I'll just gamble on him playing Uh, next game. This is a, is an ugly one, but uh, this is the who cares ball. The, uh, the one in 11 Panthers head to new Orleans and play the saints saints giving five and a half. I mean, how do you not give the points here? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Give me the saints.
0: Yeah. um, I'm on the saints as well. Again, None. They're on the outside looking in right now, but not "quote unquote" dead from a playoff spot. The Saints, that that is, uh, and I, again, just the Panthers are. Uh, they fire their coach. Maybe we we've seen you know coaches in the past that have gotten fired and came in and uh, uh, kind of sparked their team for lack of a better term. But uh, again, I believe when I see it in New Orleans, uh, we already went over the Texans and the Jets. We're both in the Texans there. Next game here. Here's a big one a- and. I think that here's this was an, another interesting spot for an upset if you're a not, not a believer in the Ravens, but Ravens hosting the Rams, Rams plus seven and a half.
1: I'm going to side with the Rams, I think. I'll take the points. I, I just, I hate the swing. Um, it's the only thing that's giving me pause, uh, but I think every week I'm buying a little more into the Baltimore Ravens, and I feel like this year for the Ravens, no Deshaun Watson, uh, the Steelers can't move the football for the first time in God knows how long. It's just everything's kind of working out for you. Um, you know, find your way to the Super Bowl or something and, you know, win, win a game that you should win here uh, by a convincing margin.
0: Sure. And and if and if they do, I would be the least bit surprised. But I think the, the Ravens, uh, they, they they I feel like they're always just in, outside of, I think, like one Lions game or so. They're just always in games. And I think you get a guy like Matt Stafford, even if they go down, you know, the Ravens defense is great, but even if the, the Rams go down, you know, a touchdown early or so I think Stafford's the kind of quarterback that uh, will, will be able to kind of get you back into a game and make this a game. So uh, I'm, I'm taking the, the Rams plus seven and a half there. Next game, the Raiders host the Vikings Raiders
1: plus three at home. So I think uh, it looks like Josh Dobbs will play. Um, I think I like the Raiders. I think the Raiders have kind of, you know, I don't think they're anything great, but I think they've kind of found a way to sort of get Devontae back in the mix. They've kind of found a way to start getting a little bit more production out of Josh Jacobs. Um, and I think Aiden O'Connell's looked better each week for the most part. So I just, I, I, I just feel like I trust them a little bit more, um, at home, especially. So, uh, give me the Raiders, especially when, you know, you know, who's drawn up their game plan, right? Do I ever? Yeah. So (laughs) I I will. uh, I'm going to ride Antonio Pierce and the Raiders.
0: Yeah. You know, tough one. Uh, I think that you're right. Antonio Pierce football always begin, begin and end with Antonio Pierce football. But I, I think the Vikings, don't forget, they're going to get Justin Jefferson back this week. I'm going to take the, I'm going to take the Vikings minus three. And I I hate taking the Vikings, but uh, but I'll take the Vikings minus three. Like Kirk Cousins PTSD? Yeah. I I just, you know, just, just a tough, tough one to root for, honestly. Yeah. But, uh, all right, next game, uh, the kind of a tale of two teams going in different directions. Um, the six and six Seahawks heading to San Francisco, San Francisco giving a whopping 11 points here at home. And I'm going to lay every bit of that 11.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I get that the Seahawks are certainly trending downwards, but it, it does kind of, uh, you know it kind of stings that they didn't win that dallas game because that was as as well of a performance we've seen uh from them all season but alas they do come up with a loss um and you know the niners obviously a better team than dallas i think that's a proven a proven thing now so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna ride four niners too and i'll lay those 11 points but i i don't feel too great about it because every now and then you know we saw dk metcalf have a hat trick last week every now and then the seahawks just have one of those games
0: yeah, but again, I, I just think this this forty nine ers team is just an absolute juggernaut, and I, yeah, I can't, yeah, yeah. I cannot see the Seahawks defense stopping a, a bit of this offense, a, any bit of this offense. So, uh, I'll take I'll take the forty nine ers there. We already kind of went over the, uh, probably the second biggest game of the day in the Bills Chiefs. Um, let's get to the Chargers, probably the most disappointing team of the season. Uh, Chargers five and seven hosting the six and six Broncos. Chargers giving two and a half at home.
1: Yeah, so I, I don't know. Do, do you feel like maybe the, the Broncos' little fairy tale run there sort of came to a close? I think the Chargers are probably the more talented team, but we can't just keep saying that about the Chargers and giving them breaks. Um, for that reason, I, I guess I'll take Denver. I think, you know, obviously they only have one game on the Chargers, but I, I think one game at this point in the season is huge. You know, Denver's right on the outside looking in, and the Chargers are going to have to take them down to hope to be on the outside looking in. Are uh, in the hunt, you know. So I'm going to take Denver, my second favorite NFL team.
0: Yeah, I'm on. I'm on Denver as well. Uh, maybe their their fantasy run to the playoffs n- might have halted. You might be right, but I think that at the end of the day, this defense is still playing decently well. I think Russell Wilson is going to is is going to have a, a a good matchup here with a bad defense in the Chargers. Um, I'll take I'll take the Broncos plus two and a half there for sure. Again, don't feel good about it. Probably won't touch it. In terms of my own my own money, but uh, I'm going to take the the Broncos right there with two and a half. And then here's the biggest game of the day: Sunday Night Football. You get the Eagles heading to Dallas to play the Cowboys. Cowboys are giving three and a half here at home.
1: Am I crazy for liking the Cowboys? No, you're not crazy. I I just to me, I feel like if I'm getting the three and a half, like I'm also getting that swing. Um, You know, we've seen the Eagles. I almost just said we've seen the eagles be in every game we, we've seen the eagles find a way to win every single game um and you know it wouldn't surprise me the least bit if this is a field goal sort of game so given that i am going to take the eagles but no I, I wouldn't say you're crazy for liking Dallas.
0: i i just think that i'm i'm so like the eagles are i'm not into bought into the you know jalen hurts injured stuff but i i think there's there's something to be said about a team that it goes on a big streak of wins and then kind of gets a reality check per se. And then you got to go to Dallas. Look, the Eagles just played when they played the 49ers. I get it. Three games in 13 days, tough matchup against probably the best team in your, uh, in your conference. But I don't think it it gets lighter here. And I think that the Cowboys, when they're home, you know, you can say what you want about the Cowboys and how they performed against or haven't performed against, uh, you know, the best teams in the league. But, I don't know. I think this is all, all things considered, I think that this is gonna be a a very, very interesting matchup on both sides of the ball. Uh, I wouldn't be stunned if this is a, a three point game either way. But look, uh, if I think if I think the Cowboys win the game, I'm I'm just gonna take just gonna give lay the points yeah, but, and hope uh, but that they do the, it by the The issue
1: I have with your reasoning is sort of the You know the reality check part of it because we've seen Dallas play good team. Actually, for a matter of fact, we've seen Dallas play the 49ers and lose by 32 points. You're right, but you know I I, and and
0: what the what the 49ers do to the Eagles. So I think it's an even playing field. Yeah. So uh, I'll I'll take the Cowboys at home. You're on the who are you? And you said Eagles. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I mean, this is I'm so. I'm, I'm going to be so up for this game, honestly, because I have I've been backing the, the Cowboys so much and I have a lot of, uh, you know, fantasy stock in the Eagles. Um, and I, I root for both of these teams, honestly, you know, not not, not going to sound like, a, you know, a bad Jet fan that hates the Giants or anything. But I like guys on both of these teams. I, I like Dak. I like Jalen Hurts. I love Micah Parsons love AJ Brown like there's just a lot of guys on on both sides of this this uh this game that I just like to watch and I mean does it get more prime time than this seriously
1: no no and this is kind of like last week when we were saying that we were kind of hoping for an Eagles loss just to put some more juice into this game we got it
0: yeah and and this this game will will ultimately be for uh this this will create seismic waves in the NFC if the Cowboys can win this game because then it's it kind of becomes wide open, and but then on the flip side, if the Eagles win this game, and we're going to presume that the Forty ers win, kind of everything
1: stays the same. Yeah, so, about a month ago, we were saying like, you know, Dallas is great, but it just you know the, the division just seems like it's already out of reach. I mean, it's it, it's on a silver platter for you this week.
0: Yeah, the uh, it's it, it, here's the this is what I'll say about this game, right? I think if the Cowboys, if either of these teams get, like, embarrassed, per se, or if they don't put up a, a good game, and if this isn't a close game, it'll say a lot about the losing team. And that might sound stupid, but, like, if the Eagles lose, the Cowboys, that'll be two in a row against two great teams, and the, the storyline will be, all right, maybe the Eagles just kind of beat up on, on bad teams the entire year. And then if the Cowboys lose, it's going to be, all right, well, the Cowboys clearly just can't beat good teams. So I think there's a lot at stake in terms of the narrative on both of these teams. Uh, if, well, one of them will lose this game, most likely. But yeah, whoever yeah. loses this game, but uh, imagine this becomes a tie. About I, didn't, that? Uh,
1: that? I didn't realize that we have uh, two Monday nighters and they both start at the same time. I mean, one game, let, let's just get to it. The, we
0: already went over the, the Packers and the Giants on Monday, eight fifteen. But, I mean, Titans, Dolphins, Dolphins giving 13. I'll lay every bit of that 13.
1: Yeah, me too. I'm done being cautious with the Dolphins. Uh, They stomp teams. They do it every week. And I'm just going to kind of keep riding them until it stops working. Uh, I have a a crazy stat for you that I heard. I can't credit the show because I don't remember which one I was listening to. But, and this might not actually sound that crazy. You know, Tyreek Hill has more receiving yards than every receiver on the Giants combined.
0: Yeah, I, I, and it's it's not just the, it's not just the Giants. I believe that there's multiple teams that that he has more more uh, receiving yards of the entire receiving core. I did see that. Uh, the I think Jets I one of them? Have, I have it right here. Ready? So it's as of right now, he has more receiving yards than the Cardinals, the Patriots,
1: okay. the Giants, the Jets, and the Falcons. Just Tyreek. Okay, so, so we're in that boat too. Apologies yeah. to all Giants fans. I wasn't trying to slight you. Okay, I'm in the same boat. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy.
0: Yeah, and it's there. It's I'll say this though: like the the Falcons have the least amount of receiving yards, and I think the Jets have the second most. And I think I think CD Lamb and among other guys, uh, I think CD Lamb, AJ Brown, and Tyree Kale all have more receiving yards than the Falcons. Yeah, why did we just pick and, them? Uh, hey, they uh, can't uh, complete look, a man, pass. Look, man, they, they beat the Jets. So yeah, what so what else can we say?
1: Um, I mean, so would your bear
0: down team? So, so would any of my bear down teams, to be quite honest. Yeah. But uh, all right. I mean, any anything else you want to add to this slate? Uh, do we say go Jets to get out of
1: here? Uh, no. I I think instead we we just hit them with a a go Knicks because I believe we do have some Friday night Knicks tonight.
0: Oh yes, you, you are 100 correct. Unfortunately, no uh no in season tournament will be played for the Knicks this year, uh, or no no further in season tournament. But Friday night Knicks uh, against the Celtics. Celtics are seven and a half point favorites. They, these teams always play uh play close games. It seems like um so definitely gonna be up for that uh, again. Kind of in the in a weird spot of the NBA season. The in season tournament obviously uh kind of taking the uh the, the precedent here with the lakers and the pacers uh facing off in the in-season tournament championship um did you watch any of those games
1: yeah some of it and did you see the lebron comment uh, it might i forget what day it was but they kind of asked him about the in-season tournament and he made some comment like yeah for i forget the amount of money but like for that yeah i'm up for these games i thought that was funny yeah. like i feel like he forgets that he's lebron james sometimes
0: for the for the flopping that's so funny
1: yeah but uh, yeah. All right. Well, go
0: Knicks. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll say go Jets. You know, woo-hoo. go Giants. You know, Monday night, uh, very possibly might be in attendance for that game. Uh, very much up in the air as well. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I'll see where I'm at Sunday with the Jets because if I'm just like, if I don't even want to look at MetLife Stadium again, which kind of I'm already on that that side of this this yeah, football season. Yeah, I was
1: thinking about going. I just I feel like I'd have I'd enjoy myself more. Like being home, just kind of tracking, you know, a huge like fantasy game for myself, things like that. It's just if the Jets aren't good and the live product already isn't great in the NFL, I'll usually stay home and stare at my TV.
0: Yeah. And you have a, you have a big fantasy matchup to get to, too.
1: Essentially, a win and in. Essentially. Essentially. A
0: little bit of help, but but expected help, we'll say. Right. I just
1: need more to do the more thing, lose a game. And uh, I should be good if I can win.
0: Well, best of luck to you. Uh, thank you all for listening. Um, and peace out. Enjoy the football. Enjoy, Enjoy hopefully, some Shohei Otani news. And if you're a Yankee fan, loathe in this, the, the Juan Soto-ness of it all. So, uh, peace out.